come and grab your friends. It's time for MetaWatch, the world's first, best, and only MetaBots podcast served to you al dente. My name's Mitch. I use he and pronouns. And like my favorite noodle, I try to fill the hollow spot inside me with as much cheese as I can fit. Adding a fresh flavor as well as a he- healthy pinch of salt is my good friend Colin. Colin, penne for your thoughts. Uh, hi, my name is Colin, and penne pasta fucking sucks. Do not say the words penne to me, Mitch. I'm sorry to, that we're immediately getting into pasta discourse already, but uh, hi, hello, thank you for doing this podcast with me. <laughs> you know, hey, we don't have to talk about these episodes. I will talk to you. Mozzarella is way better than penne in every way. Listen, there, there is a there is a point where I feel like I can quickly summarize the rest of the episode, and then we could just spend the rest of the time talking about pasta. But we do have to talk about some metabots first. <laughs> okay, you just let me know when you're ready for pasta talk. I. Uh... Uh, I worked at different Italian restaurants, level of crappiness to great, for like 15 years. So I'm good uh, to go. Well, I imagine we're going to be getting uh, a, a Grubhub delivery from a uh, well-known American uh, quote-unquote Italian food chain at about the hour and 15-minute mark is where I'm going to put my money on. <laughs> Are you family? No, no. We're not talking about family here. Uh so let's go ahead and get things started with Bridge Over Troubled Squid Guts. Um, AKA I, I, Row Battle Bridge, AKA a Bridge Over Row Battle. Yeah, uh, which is very confusing because I I would have thought this was going to be a Bridge Over the River Kwai reference, but actually it's a reference to a movie called Bridge Over Troubled Water, which I've never heard of my entire life until I tried to find this episode. <laughs> yeah, I only knew it bridge over troubled water and then later on in my life i'm like oh okay there's multiple oh i get it uh also (laughs) it is a reference over something else too okay um uh it's actually important to the episode uh um forgive my pronunciation i'm terrible at most things uh musashibo benkai uh okay was uh way back in the day uh is said to have posted himself at the uh gojo bridge in kyoto where he disarmed every passing swordsman and benkai okay, checks out. is yeah. the metabot that squid guts has oh in because uh, uh in the dub his name is gobanko yeah it, he is a benkai type okay oh, okay all right cool. so that's that's actually incredibly important to this plot that we knew about that japanese history fable myth yeah i was mostly just getting mad because yeah. they called the a tetsubo a claw but you know we'll yeah. get to it yeah we'll get there <laughs> It's, Gobanko does fucking rule. But in the, starting off, we are in Koji's mansion where Koji and Similodon are training in a, an advanced hologram suite, complete with Koji wearing some kind of red scouting device to see the holograms, I guess. He looks good. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, seeing some good training going on. Uh, Koji is apparently upset because uh, Metabee has the Metaforce. Which is a factor that we clearly have not had an episode about already, where Koji trained against the Metaforce, and they learned how to deal with the Metaforce, and certainly we haven't had this plot point happen in the past yet. Yeah, this episode is episode 33 <laughs> in Japanese. It comes right after the Ace from Outer Space, and right before me and my Shadow Sword. Yes, <laughs> a fact um, that we will get to multiple times this episode. It is so incredibly yeah, important that this comes this... between those two episodes. 
Um, we I made a comment about noticing this episode being missing, uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Squid Guts having mm-hmm. revealed his identity like earlier in season one, and was like, hmm, I wonder how they're going to deal with this and how they're going to change the script. Uh, not to get not to alarm anybody, but they don't do anything in this episode uh, remotely to to try and fit it into the the timeline. I think at this point they looked at this and said, well, we've got to finish the script in two hours and. We're just going to hope that, like, people are going to see this episode once, be confused, and then we can put it back into the proper rotation and syndication or something. <laughs> I was so excited for this episode, for you specifically. Going, oh, Colin's been talking about I'm... this for ages. This, like, there's a lot of buildup here. This is going to be either, you know, a bad translation that kind of shoehorns things in, which will be entertaining, or I've got they actually make it good, statements. but no, it, they just ignored everything. <laughs> I've got a lot of statements in all caps and a lot of question marks in, in this summary. Uh. Well, if it helps on the episodes I watched, you know, this was played straight because I was watching the sub, which yeah. was, you know, actually aired properly. Um, so we do get a quick weird flashback to Koji in the Space Yoga Groove Magic Studio um, before Koji ultimately decides to turn to Dr. Aki. We get a flashback within a flashback of Koji going to talk to Dr. Aki, who refuses to tell him the secret of the metaphors, before we come back to the Hollow Dojo, where again, Koji thinks that they can't win against the metaphors, a thing that they've totally trained for uh, against in, in the dub, as far as we know, mm-hmm. at which point Space Metaphor Fighter X, who is still masquerading as Space Fighter X for no reason, despite us knowing that he's the Phantom Renegade, comes to offer to train Koji in how to beat the Metaphors, a thing that he has not done before. Yeah, that's dumb. This, <laughs> I'm so this, mad. Yeah, I, I really wish. <laughs> like they go, and like they cut away, and just because you know the dub is very silly, they go, and this ends the flashback, or like something's you know. Give us something to let us know that this all happened in the past. Yeah. It's like, oh man. And like, the thing about all this is that like, they're like, really, this isn't that bad. Of, this is a pretty good episode. Me being constantly upset about it. Nonetheless, like, I don't see why there is a reason they could not have fit this into season one. Um, and especially with there being like there there are if, like the number of episodes that they shifted to season two, they could have shifted. I'm sure they could have shifted like old man and the sea monster or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, that the next episode we're watching today is episode eight. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we we don't need oh, any man. of this. Yeah, kick. I mean, I love cyan dog bites back. That one could have been this episode and that would have changed the story at all. Uh, we'll get to other issues with that in the, in, you know, uh, in the next episode, but I feel like, uh, you have to have the Cyan Dog episode early to introduce Spike as a character, uh, to carry that forward as him, him being a member of the Screws. I don't know. We don't yeah, need to litigate no. what episodes we would or would not move around. We could have just gotten the Japanese broadcast order in, in America, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, man. <laughs> So we then cut over to the Rubber Robo headquarters where Shrimplets is getting berated by the Rubber Rubber Robo leader, who certainly is still alive and just having a normal time and concerned about what happened 12 episodes ago. And there's that darn cat again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, Shrimpy's the leader again, even though he stopped being the leader. Uh, They're still part of the over organization, which, you know, 
that didn't even though stop. they've been abandoned <laughs> by the rubber robo gang repeatedly at this point yeah <laughs> this is so God, everything yes. about this episode is so hard in the dub i'm i'm glad you're having a hard time instead of me this time around so far have there actually been any differences between the dub or the sub are they just doing a straight translation of it uh it's pretty much straight translation yeah that's so wild except again a straight translation from the sub to the dub is a straight translation but they add in like an extra four minutes of jokes in the dub i oh man A, a part of me deep down like really like thinks that like the the thing that's getting me through this is thinking about the localization writers who I imagine with a you know an ashtray full of cigarettes and like you know half a half a handle of bourbon or something being told by an exec that no you don't have the the time or the money to like properly like translate this to fit it into season two just fucking do it or that they had already translated this episode back in season one, thinking that it was going to fit into season one. And then it just got arbitrarily fired into season two instead. And they just like, well, we already wrote the script. We might as well get money for it. Yeah. Yeah. It it, was, it feels to me like they try to get it in before and they couldn't do it the last minute. So then they yeah. kicked it to season two and they're like, well, we need to rewrite that. So it fits. And the exec goes, I'm not paying you twice. Fuck off. <laughs> you already wrote it once did you not do a good job and like well you know story-wise and he goes no it's fine this is like finding out that bulk and skull were the actual localization team for uh fucking uh, uh, power rangers (laughs) and like how much that like bulk had to go through to like uh get get the creative rights out of the hands of saban executives and like actually treat the 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 source material with any amount of respect (laughs) translation in america is a um it's a minefield yeah and um, we're lucky we see anything apparently yeah. uh and uh, you know it's yeah uh it's what it's understandable that we don't really even get dubs anymore unless like the 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 japanese studio really invests in it like with carol and tuesday carol and tuesday by the way i started watching really great show uh thundercats in it uh can't you know You'll hear that no matter whether you listen to an English or Japanese, you're going to hear Thundercat. It, it, it absolutely rules. Um, anyways, Metabots, uh, Seaslug is ready to take over again, but the leader says you've failed so many times, which is even more times than he's actually failed at this point. Um, and, uh, the leader wants to send out Squid Guts. Uh, so they send Squid Guts out. There's a bunch of kind of like jokes in the background from other Robo Robos about how he got lost in a tunnel, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, Squid Guts is determined to do a good job though and get some medals. So. Those guys aren't even supposed to be there right now. <laughs> Yeah, um, nobody is. <laughs> the uh, This is where it kind of breaks away a little bit. So he goes, uh, you know, regular strategies aren't working for us. We need someone who thinks of the irregular strategies, like Squid Guts here. Uh, he's holding a um, magazine when we first see him. It is a uh, job postings. <laughs> he's trying to quit, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Uh, that's a valid. Yeah. Throughout the rest of the episode, it is just him having an identity crisis. And uh, trying to find a new job, uh, okay. which is nice. Um, it's actually a pretty good characterization for him. Um, yeah, I've certainly been there. <laughs> but they don't call him stupid <laughs> like yeah. they do in the dub. And they they hound how stupid this man is. Yeah. Uh, the only time somebody says it was uh, Shrimpy mentions that he has a hard time thinking. <laughs> and then Cecil goes, so just leave all the thinking to me. 
Yeah. And that's that's about it. Um, yeah, I think the difference is, is they have, like, in Japan, you have, like, the salaryman trope to play on him, which is, I guess, kind of, like, becomes obvious once you see him outside of his rubber robo costume. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really have the same kind of thing here in America to fall back on because, like, the idea in Japan that, you know... 18 or 22 or whatever when you're out of high school or college you would go and you would get a job and you would work that job until you retire so like you know uh there there is a degree of weird japanese comedy to seeing this like middle-aged man who has clearly like lost his job and now had to join the rubber robo gang and now trying to find a new actual regular job is that's funny I, I dig it, but in the American dub, you just there is no comparable joke to that, so you just have to say, "Oh, he's big and dumb." <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, what's going on? Uh, the joke they keep making in the sub is uh, they're making fun of Sea Slug for not being a good leader and supporting Squid Guts. Yeah. <laughs> they keep saying you keep blaming all these people for your failures. That's not what a good leader does. <laughs> Which is great. Like, yeah. they're they're making fun of him being stupid because he's not, you know, doing his job supporting this other guy. Like, I'll love that. It's fun. I would have appreciated this episode uh, in the time it should have shown up, I guess. But, uh, no, you, yeah, wouldn't let's, have. you know, <laughs> moving on, uh, we cut over to Karen at the Academy. Uh, from off screen, we hear that she has just finished making uh, squid dumplings um, in a home ec class. And her, uh, you know, her her uh, uh, classmate is like, oh, yeah, they're really good. But, uh, you know, I might be too sick to come into school tomorrow. So, like, that's we don't really there's something up with these these uh, uh, squid dumplings, which is confirmed when Karen heads to her limo, sees a cat named Cream Puff lying on top of it, offers her uh, a Mediterranean extra spicy squid dumpling, which look absolutely delicious. And the cat refuses. Uh, uh, yeah, I, so, I would eat them. Yeah. Uh, I would yeah. eat these. A takoyaki filled with caviar and lobster dressed with 32 different spices and olive oil. <laughs> Super spicy is how she calls it. Yeah. Um, I hate that I can't have squid. I hate that I'm allergic to it. I would love to eat these so much. <laughs> I'm not allergic to squid. Lucky. Um, but yeah, Karen, you know, kind of like uh, tells her driver to give Cream Puff a, a, a ride back home and uh, she's going to walk and she just kind of heads off. Yeah. Um, which is when we cut over to Icky and Metabi, who are looking for people to row battle, which is strange because the tournament listings are already over. Uh, but he keeps throwing open the doors to various classrooms, trying to challenge somebody, and everybody just runs away screaming. Um, and it's because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Arika tells him it's because he's too high in the rankings. Uh, that nobody's going to want to row battle him. And we get Icky's uh, explanation for why he wants to row battle. It's that he doesn't want to get rusty. Uh, and if they take too much time off from row battling, uh, they won't be as good as fighting for the tournament. Um, I'm going to guess it's a little different in the sub. <laughs> He's in fourth place. Uh, and I've been, they don't mention the third place person. And I'm like, the only person it can be is Rintaru, right? <laughs> Who else have we seen battle? Yeah, I can't imagine who it could uh, possibly be. I am so worried because we don't have, um, you know, I don't believe we do. I'm going to check real quick the the episode summaries or the episode listing uh, just to double check. I don't think we have many, if any. Yeah, we don't have any. This is the last. This is the last episode in the 30s. Uh, except, well, <laughs> we do heavy have, metal. We, we have, have one more. Heavy metal. 
But, but uh, it's pre-Rentaro, right? Yeah, that's it's pre-ranking. <laughs> uh, so, like, we don't know who's... We don't know who is uh, number three. And I don't know if we're going to, unless number three shows up at the tournament arc. Number three, who becomes number four, shows up at the <laughs> tournament arc to fight Icky for some reason. Yeah. I, I, got, I got nothing. And it's getting... It's getting comical. <laughs> That's certainly a word for it. Uh, oh man! Um, as they run off to try and find somebody to to row battle, they narrowly miss Karen coming to visit Icky at school, and so they they just they they cross paths. Uh, we do head downtown with Karen, who sees that uh, the student body president is up on a um, uh, a pedestrian bridge that goes over a, a downtown thoroughfare uh, and gets his shit wrecked in by Squid Guts um, uh, just in time. Uh, and, and Squid Guts is playing for medals, uh, is what we find out. Uh, Coach Man Mountain comes dashing into the kid's defense, uh, making a big show of how, like, you know, he hates to row battle in front of his students, but he can't let somebody bully, uh, you know, one of his kids. So he challenges Squid Guts uh, to a match because Squid Guts is holding this bridge and forcing anybody who tries to cross to a to to uh, row battle him uh, with the their coins on the line. We uh, we so get Coach a couple Man good Mountain. differences here. Okay, yeah. Uh, um. So uh, he's bragging that he just won his 99th medal, and the 100th one is going to be Coach Man Mountain, which is, I mean, if he just beat up 99 kids in the time it's taken for school to do that up, that's pretty cool. Um, we, we do find out that all school children have to cross this bridge to go home, which is kind of fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, it is a small bridge. Um, we get a couple of bits of extra animation uh, right before the fight. Uh, from uh, Coach Man Mountain. Uh, and the dub has him repeating this talking animation uh, about how he's not going to stand up for this. The sub, he starts with heart eyes, then he starts flexing, then he's got these fiery eyes. And I think you see like a single frame of the heart eyes, but mostly you see the fire eyes up to the talking. Um, yeah. And he, he's screaming, and he yells that uh, this ruffian is going to be punished by love justice and the hot-bloodedness of a tokoyama elementary school teacher 23 years old single and looking for a wife (laughs) to which um the school president goes sensei did you just lie about your age to this guy (laughs) which (laughs) that's i love that uh it's so good uh the fact that he's like you know here's my details you know i'm i am looking for a wife if anyone you know um the fact he lied about his age is great and when he summons digmol he summons his beloved Digmol. Yeah. That's a character arc, baby. He does love this boy. <laughs> he loves this diggy diggy boy. It's so good. Uh, this entire, I'm so glad it was him who's fighting Squid Guts. I, I, I just, I'm coming down from a Coachman Mountain High from the other yeah, episode. We, we, yeah, we did just, like, this is, this is why it's awful that they're, ta- well, I, I don't know. I guess it's good that all of these episodes got shunted to season two, because I get the feeling we just wouldn't have seen Coach Man Mountain or Brass or anybody in season two otherwise. Which does suck. But, like, you know, almost every episode has Arika and Brass in it. Almost every episode has that Coach Man Mountain and Sam. It's yeah. Karen. We get all of the good episodes in early season two, I guess is what we can really stand by. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're being proven wrong for how like nervous you were about these episodes. <laughs> well, uh, wrong is a strong term. 
<laughs> yeah, we do have another episode after this, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. Digmole is unceremoniously exploded uh, out of frame, and uh, Coach heads off in shame. Um, Squid Guts is determined to continue to hold the bridge until Itchy eventually crosses, because as we know, all school children have to cross this bridge for some reason. Uh, Icky almost stumbles onto the scene, but Arika comes in and says she has a scoop. There's somebody willing to row battle him at the waterfront. Uh, and so they head off. Um, but uh, Karen comes in just in time to find that, uh, you know, this this whole thing at the bridge is going down and it's it's not... Oh, Karen's already here. What am I saying? But yeah, uh, uh, Karen is worried about kids not being able to uh, cross this bridge because of, of squid guts. So she, you know, pulls out her cell phone, calls in a favor, and a construction crew comes in and creates a, a lit crosswalk alongside the bridge so that kids can cross that way. Hey, Colin. Yeah? Um, I, I'm not saying you're an expert in road construction. Um, you're probably pretty knowledgeable, but, you know, maybe not an expert. Um, why did this take an entire line of guys stretched across the road with jackhammers? Um, <laughs> they were just painting lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, I may, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> like, obviously you would need a jackhammer in order to like install the, the crosswalk lights. Um, Maybe. and like get them hooked up to like the, yeah. Cause you're, you're going to have to like pierce down into like the infrastructure, like, uh, tubing underneath yeah, the well, robe to get yeah. access to like the electrical li- uh, lines and yeah. like that kind of stuff. And they didn't bring uh, a backhoe or anything that, you know, is a little yeah. bit more common, at least in my area. Um, uh, but the yeah, sure. one thing, yeah. The one thing that I can guess as far as why they needed to completely destroy this, this stretch of road uh, is this is a libertarian hellscape. So we know the infrastructure has not had any upkeep and is probably incredibly shoddily made. Uh, but Karen being a rich person and a philanthropist really wants to make sure that this road is fully supportive for all the school children who are going to have to walk across it. So she had uh, the subpar road ripped out uh, that was put in place by the city. So the stretch of road could be replaced with high quality asphalt and steel supports underneath uh, and along with proper drainage and everything else that it, that it possibly needs so that there will never be any potholes specifically on this crosswalk. Now, what if <laughs> um, it was all for show so that way they could charge Karen for all this uh, jackhammering and all these equipments that normally they didn't own those jackhammers before. They bought them specifically for this job so they could bill her because she's not going to know the difference because she's a child. Well, it could also be that we know that Karen is calling a favor in and she might have not had a favor to call in with the with the the, the like st- street painting guild mm-hmm. or whatever she only had the jackhammer brothers uh to call on and so she called in a favor with the 19 jackhammer brothers and they came in and they hammered the street for her <laughs> yeah the the entire hoff family the um jacking hoff family just they all show up and they all just do what they got to do i was making a mario joke thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay all right yeah anyways I, I saw them as taking advantage of a young stupid child with a lot of money but I think Karen has so much money that she doesn't care how it gets spent. That that's also very fair. Like uh like Karen probably has an unlimited credit black card or whatever. I um throughout this episode I was like, you know, I I really do like Karen. Karen's a great character. And then I go, Well, well, hold on. <laughs> Karen's as great as a character as she can be. I'll I'll go she, that yeah. far. 
She's never been programmed with um with equity in mind is the problem. She that was is created the problem. in a libertarian capitalist hellscape, and that's all she'll ever know. <laughs> that explains why um, Saint Nurse the Nasty doesn't actually help people for the most part. <laughs> like Saint Nurse the Nasty could have helped uh, Mister Referee when you know he nearly was murdered last episode. Next episode, last episode, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mr. Referee doesn't carry the proper insurance for, for St. Nurse the Nasty. Um, she only takes Blue Cross Blue Shield. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting too real. Anyways, uh, so, uh, Karen greets this crosswalk, um, uh, which is when, uh, uh, and, you know, Squid Guts gets mad because Gobanko won't get off the bridge. He he is following his uh, uh, his orders to the letter and is just smoking a bubble pipe on this bridge. So Squid Guts goes down to confront Karen, uh, uh, who, as Squid Guts kind of, like, berates her for, you know, um, uh, uh, taking away, uh, uh, making Gobanko's only job completely useless. Karen is overcome, but becomes confused because she can't actually see Gobanko up on the bridge because it has, has like, you know, uh, high safety shields on it. Uh, she thinks that Squid Guts is angry because Karen has made the bridge completely useless. Uh, so Karen calls in another favor and has a, uh, an, a formula one race scheduled on the street so that people have to use the bridge to get across it and can't use the crosswalk anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it's like, okay, she's cute. She, she go, I, well, formula one racing and detouring an entire city. That's, that's a lot of money. Mitch, Karen's got a really lot of funny. money. This is really, really funny. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> good. No, like it's great. I love it. the funniest Metabots has ever been. <laughs> it, it, it is hilarious. It's wonderful. But I keep going, man, I love Karen. And then some of the stuff she does, I love it. But I have to remind myself, well, you know, <laughs> Karen's got too much money. Um, yeah. But uh, um, the, the Metabot on the bridge, he's not leaving because he's a Benkai type. And he's like... You know, it's a matter of principle. I can't leave a bridge to go fight. I have to stay on the bridge to fight people on a bridge. It's yeah, who I am, which ties into what we were talking about earlier. This is why you can't trust these thirty third party metabots. And <laughs> it just, <laughs> I'm I'm going to say it. The sub and the dub are one to one when it comes to Karen believing Mister Crossing Bridge is yeah. the one being put out of a job here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's she's that dumb. Now earlier. She walked this way. Um, she made a comment in the dub that uh, thinking like a different person is hard because they're a different person or something yeah. to that line. And the the sub, she's like, well, he's probably home. I'll go see him at his house. I hope I remember my way, which that makes more I, sense. I think, yeah, I think this is proving, though, that Karen couldn't pass the Turing test. Like, when it comes down to it, I think Karen is a very intelligent android and very well-made. I don't think she could uh, pass a Turing test because of this, though. <laughs> you know, Aki did what he could. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, so now that there's this F1 race going on, there's a huge crowd of people hanging out on this bridge to watch it. Uh, and uh, Karen and Squid Guts are teaming up to direct people across the bridge to make sure that people open up so school children can still cross. And Gobanko makes a comment that Squid Guts is going soft because he's not even shaking down these kids that he's helping cross the bridge, uh, which is just as soft as Squid Guts' favorite shake, uh, which I already forgot what it is. It's like a chocolate something shake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the entire time in the sub, um, Gobanko is 
very friendly and very respectful to Squid Guts. Uh, he's, he just goes, I'm not sure how things came to this. And Squid Guts goes, oh, me neither. But every time Squid Guts <laughs> talks, um, he looks, uh, you know, he gets that black bad background that pops up in all animes when people get sad. And he looks downtrodden. And he goes, I don't think I have evil in my heart. This is just a job to me. The entire time is yeah. just he's questioning, you know, am I doing evil deeds for the sake of evil? Am I doing it because it's a job? I don't know how to feel right now. I'm just going to keep going with what's happening in the moment, which is great. Oh, man. Really taking me back to working at a bougie grocery store. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it, I, I've worked in sales. Sometimes I, I question, hey, is what I'm doing evil or <laughs> is it, you know, is this is this a job? Is this who I am? Yeah, it, it's striking. Oh, this man. is why we need more um, salary men in anime. <laughs> oh, uh, so um, Icky does finally show up. Uh, apparently, Arika's uh, scoop was inaccurate, uh, and the kid didn't want to fight Icky. Uh, but he, you know, sees Karen, gets gets heart eyed, star eyed, etc. Runs up, and Karen offers him her delicious spicy squid dumplings. Um, and Icky takes a bite of one it looks delicious and his mouth is stained red with all of the the uh you know hot pepper on there and he muscles through the pain and tells her that it's certainly peppy um and uh yeah uh, uh this hold is on, again hold we on get confer- we get mr oh. narrator popping in oh okay yeah to explain the concept of caviar <laughs> okay lay it on me what's the concept of caviar <laughs> oh uh they're fish eggs and they cost a lot of money so uh poor people tend not to eat them well, that, that, that's the thing is like, so the, the, what they're probably thinking of is salmon row, uh, or, mm-hmm. or masago, if you've ever seen it on a sushi menu, which is actually like fairly affordable as far as like fish eggs go. Um, uh, like I want to say, uh, God, uh, uh, we got some for Christmas, uh, along with some actual for real caviar, some caviar that's on the cheap end of caviar. And like the cheap caviar was still twice as like more expensive than salmon row was. Did we talk uh, about caviar before in the show? We, I, um, I, I think we talked about price and inflation. That might've been before or post a show maybe, but maybe, I think we talked yeah. about, uh, caviar's price inflation stuff before due to mostly yeah. just marketing. Yeah, it it is because like, you know, there, there is the, like, when you think of like the real for real, like caviar stuff, it's like, uh, you know, specifically harvested, I think from halibut, um, like in like the, the like North Atlantic or in the, 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 like the North sea. And like, that's why it's considered like a, a, both a British and a Russian, Russian delicacy. And it's like such a big deal and blah, 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 blah. But now like most caviar is harvested in America, mm-hmm. shipped to Russia, packaged in Russia, and then shipped back to America. Mm-hmm. But there are, there is like one or two like, companies in america that just do it all here and cut out a ton of like the cost that way and still like you know you'll still see like uh four ounces of caviar for like 30 or 60 dollars or whatever for for the actual like high-end stuff but you can you can get like fairly like the i want to say that like the cheap stuff is like 12 or 18 bucks for a couple of ounces for like four ounces and is like uh, you know I don't have a super delicate palate, but I think it's pretty much the same as the expensive stuff. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying fish grow for free in water. Pick up a fish and just suck out the eggs with your mouth. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you, you let that hang there too long. I was getting scared. 
Uh, don't suck because, fish, like, please. In order, in order to uh, safely harvest the eggs from a fish without killing it, which has become like the the go to mm-hmm. practice, you actually have to do like a kind of like surgical surgical incision with a specific tool. If you just go cutting and sucking, uh, that fish is going to get infected and die. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to take care of fish. Um, yeah. Uh, anyways, so again, Karen thinks that the bridge needs bridge needs its purpose is what she uh, explains to Icky and like shows how much she clearly loves this uh, this bridge is like rubbing her face on it. Uh, this is how I feel about trains as a dirty leftist. Um, and uh, this is when Squid Guts finally comes down with Govenko to challenge Icky and gets him up on that bridge. Uh, because Metabee equally loves this bridge now, because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. he sees it as, even though it's not a Metabot, it's still made of metal, it has a purpose, we have to protect it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, um, so Karen's speech, um, it, it it talks about, you know, how, yes, it's made of metal, uh, and a lot of people don't think they have feelings, but, you know, it has a purpose. It may look clumsy and run down, and it's not respected nearly as much, but, you know, it's doing its best to help us, and I want to continue... Uh, I want to continue them down this path with pride. And Menabe, you know, goes, you know, I'm relating to this. I also don't think I get, you know, the kind of respect <laughs> I deserve. You know, I'm also clumsy and run down at times, you know, and he's yeah. repeating the speech. And then Squid God starts crying because those words strike him in his heart. I'm also it, clumsy and run down, but I'm doing what I can to survive. It definitely hits better in the Japanese and definitely explains why squid guts then decides that he needs to like follow his truth in this and, mm-hmm. and row battle icky with his actual identity instead of as squid guts, which is when he reveals himself as Squido Gu- uh, uh, Um, certainly a thing that we didn't know before that we haven't seen happen before that when we saw it happen previously, wasn't confused, wasn't confusing because it was barely introduced that time because it was supposed to be introduced in this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I'm going to say it. He's one of the few people I prefer in their uh their rubber robo disguise. I Yeah, he is kind of a weird salary man. Uh yeah. with a weird bald like balding mullet. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, Mr. Referee flies in wearing formal Hakama, which is very nice to see. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but he does. Um, he almost falls off the bridge. Uh, and so uh, Karen, uh, again, gets on her cell phone, uh, turns the crossing lights uh, to red to stop the race car so that Mr. Referee does not get hit by a car. Very <laughs> this nice. girl has too much control over the city. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Govanko comes in swinging his Nakinata and, uh, B nimbly dodges on the kind of like railings of the bridge back and forth. Um, but, and, uh, uh, Govanko is able to like knock away B's homing missiles with its variety of, of different weapons that it has in its backpack. Definitely reminds me of like the classic, like D and D 3.5 golf bag fighter. I love to see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he eventually uh, shoots a – I forgot the actual Japanese name for this weapon, but it's basically just a chain with a weight on either end uh, that you use to, like, tie up and, and grapple somebody where, with a weapon. And he shoots that, ties up Metabee's leg, and just slams him into the side of the bridge. And, uh, you know, as Metabee is about to um, – uh, uh, like get or no? Then Metabi just takes a Naginata to the head and explodes, and is no longer able to use his missile launchers. Um, and just as he thinks he's about to escape, uh, Gobanko whips him to another part of the bridge, and uh, Metabi manages to jump out just in time. But Gobanko destroys a huge part of the bridge, riling up Metabi and Karen. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> um, I I watched this part twice. 
I couldn't tell who destroyed the bridge at first. Uh, it was definitely Gobanka. Yeah, because uh, Meta B <laughs> apologizes for it later. Yeah, he's uh, well, well, well. So he blows up a small part of the bridge, and mm-hmm. then the the other bridge destruction happens because Meta B becomes so overwhelmed. Uh, and this is the only good part about this episode in like the framing of the meta narrative and the way that it's been deployed is this finally gets rid of the bad dude I rock uh, cat- catchphrase. <laughs> because now we are officially on meta saying listen up when i see red you see green not a good color choice for you and then follows that up with it's time it's time to kiss your bot goodbye and then yells metaphors and just blows the shit out of gobanko and also destroys half of the bridge <laughs> i i had a pause upon my first watching of the dub because you know when i say when i see red you see green that's real good <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, definitely not a thing that you uh, like. This is absolutely like the the localization team at their peak of doing shit, because I can't imagine anybody would ever write this because probably they wouldn't know what the effect is going to look like before before it's animated. But they can come back in with after it's animated and recognize this to make this kind of like clever joke. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And. Dude, I rock is gone. So dude, I rock is not to be seen or heard ever again. Thank God. Uh, so Squido is toast. Uh, he drops all of the medals that he shook people down for. Um, Meta is just horrified at how badly he destroyed this bridge, but that's when Karen promises to repair it. Um, and kind of like holds up her, uh, uh, you know, uh, says it's just a minor repairs. B cries a little bit more. And then Karen says, okay, maybe it's some major repairs. And then holds her cell phone and sa- says, uh, but major solutions is what my cell phone is for, which, you know, sure, it's probably that. Uh, however, uh, she can't call off the race because her cell phone has died because she's been using the battery too much. <laughs> None of that is in the sub. <laughs> okay. Meta B cries. Uh, then Karen goes, don't worry. I'll solve this. I don't know. That's it. That's, um, I, that's all you thing. know, I think I think the next part is in the sub, though, Mitch. Like the part where Rintaro shows up and tells Icky that Koji is training with Space Metafighter X in the woods, in the bamboo woods, so that he can learn a secret technique to defeat the Metaphors is certainly a thing that is happening twice in the show. It's happening. It's happening again, Mitch. Is a thing that's happening in the show. <laughs> yeah, I uh, my notes goes. I have no idea how they will explain this episode, except we didn't show it before. Yeah, and I think. Uh, yeah, again, I think they're just. They gonna, just don't. They just don't explain anything. Yeah, I think the whatever like production executives were were like having a say on this were like, it's a show for children. Children are idiots. They're not going to know the difference, and it'll be fine in syndication. Is what they are probably thinking. Which um, short sighted. Little did they know. Twenty years later. Two people would be recording a podcast about it, mildly inconvenienced by this entire thing. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I'm going to get mad at in this episode is uh, we get the the end of show wrap up. We find out what part that Meta B won from uh, Gobanko. And it is clearly an arm holding a Tetsubo, uh, but they call it his Gobanko claw. Yeah, it's a Gobanko claw. Which I claw. guess is, I guess, yeah. Because you guess hit him with the claw and it goes Because supposed bonko. to be is it makes them go Bonko. Because he bonks them with it. <laughs> you hit them with a the claw and they go bonko. Yeah, I love it. it. I'm just saying, if ancient Japan thought about that joke, they would have done it. I don't know. I really like Tetsubos. <laughs> I, I, think, I think it just rolls off the tongue nice. Uh, 
<laughs> Anyways, we have uh, another episode. Yep, that's it for tonight. So uh, thank you guys <laughs> for joining us. Oh, We're going to no, talk no, about no. pasta we now. Episode, Mitch. Uh, thankfully, uh, between, I know the last time we covered an episode this early, it was episode six. And I guess between episode six and eight, they got budget because this episode is clearly better animated than episode six was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is Nobody Home. Uh, um, the Lost Metabot. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to, um, Icky, who's up in his room getting frustrated that he's unable to get all of his homework done. Uh, Metabee thinks it's because they have a heat wave going on, um, which is wild because it's just two episodes after we had a surprise early winter, but summer vacation is a week, apparently. So we're just skipping straight from, I guess, November to like July because like very clearly they're going to go into golden week or whatever, but it's just like winter was literally two episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, the entire thing is about how this is summer and the problem is skipping all this time doesn't make sense because the tournament was only like a month away (laughs) yeah (laughs) so if they're skipping from november to july or whenever for a summer vacation they skipped the tournament clearly oh man uh but yeah icky has to complete this uh homework other uh, otherwise he's not gonna pass so he hands off a notebook clearly labeled drawing uh, to Metabee and tells him to do his geometry homework, which is funny and weird, and I like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Metabee won't help because he has a strict no homework on the weekends policy, uh, and they begin to fight bodily, which is when Miss Tinrio comes up to break up the fight and gives them up both mom kisses and then throws them out of the house. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's just what you got to do. If you're, uh, yeah. if you're two boys, one of them whom is a uh, better boy and a robot boy, uh, fight, then yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, very clearly, this is the first time that Metabee's gotten a mom smooch too, and he's very overcome, and it's um, incredibly cute. <laughs> so he he uh, he gets his kiss, and then we get, I read it in a magazine, it's a magic spell to make kids stop fighting. <laughs> we keep getting this, she keeps reading these magazines about magic spells that make kids do things. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> You know, she's um she's trying to move into more uh, you know, um what, what was the magician thief movie that came out like 5 years ago or whatever that everybody loved? Now you see me. She's just trying to move into that like style of crime, really branch out. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, I'm for it. I'm I'm for any time a thief kisses somebody, uh consensually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I just Anyways. love it. Uh, outside the house, Arika runs into them, asks Icky if he's done his research proje- project. Icky lies and says, yeah, they're all done, which uh, prompts Arika to drag him along to help out with hers, which she is doing an expose on metafighters. Um, so they begin to go and snoop around on various metafighters in town. Uh, for example, they go snooping on Samantha, who is reading a fashion magazine about Miss Teen Metafighter pageant, uh, which is very funny. But uh, Samantha catches them and scares them off. Um, so I, I mentioned this to you before, Colin, but I'm gonna say it on the record. Uh, this was like the third episode I watched. I accidentally watched this way back when, uh, and I, you know, I took notes on it and I can tell, uh, what time of year I took these notes because I was still amazed about people wearing a face mask in a program. (laughs) And I, I, I did like two paragraphs about how great it is to actually see people wearing a face mask. 
Oh, man, if only Metabots could give us a timely thing about impeaching a president who tried to uh, uh, commit a coup. We still got like 20 episodes left. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it did take oh, place man. in 2020. Yeah. By the way, two episodes ago was late. I kind of, you know, some shit happened. Uh, you're going to get you got two in one week. Uh, be thankful. Uh, <laughs> it's a time. Um, yeah. Uh, the next people that go and snoop on is uh, Spike and Sloan. Uh, who are trying to train Cyan Dog by having him? Uh, oh wait, Cyan Dog shouldn't it be Crosser Dog at this point? Um, uh, Cyan Dog, who's blindfolded and about to hit a watermelon with a uh, with a wooden <laughs> sword uh, to train in blind fighting. Um, it I also, love this gag. He, he, yeah, he manages to hit the watermelon. Also, the watermelon is actually just a balloon. Um, but then they, they, you know, Spike and Sloan catch them and also scare them off. <laughs> So now that I know more about uh, Cyan Dog, it, he's using a sword, like the monkey metal, right? So he should be yeah, good at this. Yeah, because the monkey metals are good at melee combat. <laughs> so he should be good at that. Well, monkey metals are apparently good at grappling combat. So not even sword combat, but at least uh, this is closer. I would say, I would, yeah, like melee combat is at least more approachable and similar to grappling. Grappling is not like firing a gun. <laughs> I guess it depends how fast you move those hands. <laughs> I, I'm just sitting there like yeah this is what no monkeys grapple this is a sword are, Mitch are you telling me that um, uh, Cyan Dog should have been doing like equilibrium style uh, gun katas the entire time <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that and you know that would have been so good it would actually be very funny if he does that I want to see it <laughs> if it turns out Cyan Dog was accidentally just curving the bullets this whole time <laughs> Oh my god, when did Equilibrium come out? Uh God. I I used to work in a comic book store and uh I got partially paid in comic books. And I remember uh they gave me the entire run of the Equilibrium comics because they go, no one cares. I don't know why they print these things. Just throw them at people. I don't care. So I got multiple copies of each issue of the entire run of Equilibrium. Okay, so uh, let's see. Um, when did the comics start coming out? Okay, okay. All right, so the comics didn't come out to, to, uh, till 2016. Yeah. Um, there were some comics. It may not... Okay. Because I got some. <laughs> uh, so what I will say is the movie Equilibrium came out in 2002, whereas Metabots came out in 1999, which does mean... That uh, maybe maybe the people that made Equilibrium watched Metabots and said, oh, this guy with guns has a monkey coin in him that makes him good at grappling. Why doesn't he just grapple the guns at people? And that's how equ Equilibrium came to be. You can't tell me it's not that now. <laughs> um, God, that may, you know, I'm going to go with you with this one. Uh, you know, I can be correct about the um, the robot cat theory, and this could be the the hill you plant your flag on <laughs> please mitch don't get your story wrong you said it was an alien cat not a robot cat i'm not gonna let you go back on that uh yeah that's fair yeah robot cat <laughs> um i'm sorry i was so, thinking about the movie wanted this entire time oh yeah no also <laughs> that yeah, is the, the comic i got <laughs> where they bend what? the bullets equilibrium oh, uh, wanted it's the same thing right yeah yeah it is. Um, want a comic very different from both Equilibrium and the Wanted movie, I will say. I actually, <laughs> I don't know. I 
I don't think that the Wanted comic is amazing or anything. I think that a lot of the stuff that it tries to do is pretty hokey, but I, you know, I think of all the weird, like, uh, uh, postmodern inspired, like, shock the system comics of the age that it came out in. I think it's probably the best one. Well, hey, you know, I've got like two long boxes full. I'll have to figure out if you want to. I don't want them. Uh, my roommate has it in a trade paperback, anyways, so that's, you know, it's fucking fine. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Uh, oh, man. So, Icky thinks that they should find a sweet, wonderful metafighter like Karen to interview now so they don't get scared off by them. Uh, which is when, uh, in the bushes, uh, Metabee finds a mermaid pe- uh, metal in the grass, which is apparently a very rare and powerful metal, um, which uh, is, is like, very exciting. So, um, you know, uh, Arika pops the coin into her watch so they can talk to it and, and maybe see if they can help it get it back home. Uh, and yeah, she does. She's lost. She needs help. Uh, and she sounds pretty and Metabi falls in love with her. Um, uh, she even says that, you know, they ask her what kind of body she has. And in addition to having mermaid coin, she's also has a mermaid metabot body and her name is Oceana. Uh, and they tell her that her metafighter's name is Hannah. And so, uh, Arika is like, all right, screw this previous story. We've got a good scoop here. We're going to, you know, help this, this, uh, metabot find its home and, uh, I'll get the scoop of a lifetime and, and do my research project on that. It'll be great. Uh, um, so the name of the metabot in, uh, the sub, uh, they go back and forth between two different names, uh, which I assume is because the pun translation didn't work out super perfectly. Um, but the predominant name is pure maid, like mermaid, but pure. So sometimes they call it pure mermaid, but a lot of times they do call it pure maid. I think we've seen pure maid in the dub previously as well, mm-hmm. when they've referenced like other kinds of metabots. So like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised by that, but I guess they, they made yeah. the play here because they wanted to like, because this is a, a a metabot with a specific personality, they wanted to give her a more pronounceable name to to use or something. Um, one of the reasons I don't like Pure Maid, um, it it does have some weird connotations, which it does goes with the rest of this episode, and that might be one uh, of the reasons they wanted to steer clear of that name in the the dub. Yeah, um, especially considering when we finally see what a metabot, uh, or excuse me, what a uh, a mermaid metabot looks like. Um, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. So, um, Metabi, uh, says that they should try and transport Oceana's body using the, um, uh, the watch because then she could just like show them her way back to her house. Um, oh my goodness. Work. I forgot there is a narrator, uh, pop up. Oh yeah. Which actually has a bit of exposition. Okay. Hit me. I'm so sorry. I, it, it doesn't happen often. Sometimes I see her narrator thing in my notes. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, so Metabee's warning against pocketing the, the metal to Icky. And uh, he goes, pocketing or Nekobaba, which is the act of picking somebody's lost property and keeping it for yourself. The phrase is derives from how cats hide their poop in sand after defecation. And then we see a weird <laughs> drawing of a cat <coughs> pooping and spinning its legs in circles. It God, has no relation to the that. term old lady. <laughs> God, why could we have not gotten that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we also immediately get some lore. Um, the uh, uh, the watch gives an error. Uh, Oceana's body is too far away to transport. Um, 
So Brass, being the wonderful, beautiful creature that she is, offers to uh, let Oceana use her body in the meantime, and Brass will hang out in Arika's Meta Watch. So they switch the medals out, and uh, you know immediately Oceana's voice takes over Brass's body, and uh, yeah, the, 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 we get to it. Um, they go and check out uh, where her family used to live. It's an abandoned apartment in an apartment complex uh, where they get confronted by a granny who tells them that the the family moved away weeks ago um uh better be an oceana flirt a lot and uh arika starts asking around the neighborhood but no one has even heard of him. well well you say flirt i i think meta flirts with oceana <laughs> in in the dub it they are explicitly flirting with each oh, other like that's fair. They, uh, i would understand how probably like some changes in dialogue would make it more one-sided and i would not be surprised if that's how it is in the sub but they they make it very clear that oceana and meta are in love now okay because uh, yeah in the sub it's definitely just thank you <laughs> you're so pretty that's nice of you to say Oh, no, she like repeatedly calls Meta B as night in sh- her knight in shining armor and well, uh you that's know fair. how great he's treating her and how much how much she's he's protecting her and like you know the the amount of like uh lengths that he's going to help her out like yeah it's it's much different in the dub. <laughs> that's you know I uh I'm kind of overlooking that fact because of how the rest of the episode goes. But oh, yeah, I guess we're gonna get there. I guess that's uh I guess that is the thing that does happen. Um, uh, so Arika they just goes keep and decides- harping about how she's the prettiest of all female model metabots a lot. Yeah, they don't episode. do that in the dub either. Yeah. Thank God. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a lot of um, weird classism here uh, involving yeah. how poor this girl is. And, and the old lady's really mean about that, too, which yeah. is weird. <laughs> and um, t- the whole episode is just going, okay, mm, I don't like that. Thank you. So, Arika decides to hire a private detective who throws them out for, one, wanting to hire him to find a toy, and two, them not having any money. He specifically says, what are you going to pay me with jelly beans? Uh, which was just fun. It was fun to see this because it was like animated in a slightly different style, and I just like this man because he looks like a Yakuza character. <laughs> uh, I, I also... Uh, Yakuza character. Um, so, this starts the plot of the episode. Turns out, uh, um, the little girl's family is on the run because they owe oh. the yakuza money <laughs> okay this guy only has four fingers <laughs> now okay. i'm not right. entirely sure how many figures icky has in this scene but this man pointedly only has four <laughs> okay but yeah you um, know, you, yeah okay this all starts to make sense uh yeah. yeah the family's on the run from um from the yakuza okay uh we do hear from Oceana that she misses Hannah a lot. Um, uh, she was an only child, and they were raised practically like sisters. Uh, B cries a lot and promises that he'll help her find Hannah. Uh, and uh, Brass thinks that uh, they should trace through Oceana's memories for clues, uh, which results in them uh, going out into kind of the wilderness and, and some rural areas as Oceana and Metabi flirt even more, and they come to a dark tunnel. Um, they keep... Icky keeps going, look, let's just give the medal to the cops. Let's just be done with this. And Arika keeps harping about how cops don't do anything. And he's like, we'll give it to the cops. And he goes, cops are useless. They don't do anything. <laughs> Multiple times this episode. Love Arika. ACAB. ACAB uh, 2020. Love you, Arika. Arika. Arika's been watching the news. You know, it's summer of 2020. We know what happened. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's... <laughs> So this episode, I got people wearing masks and Arika saying, don't trust cops. 
Oh man. Um, so they start heading down uh, the the dark tunnel. We do get a callback to Arika uh, being obsessed with the paranormal because she starts talking about how she's heard that there are like ghosts and and spooks in here. She whips her camera out and hopes that she'll be able to get a picture, which is when they see a floating light uh, and think they think it's a ghost until it turns out to be a lost girl. It turns out it's Hannah and she's searching for Oceana. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Every- <laughs> Everyone proceeds to get acquainted. Um, everybody's ready for Oceana to get her old body back, uh, but it's been lost. Uh, Hannah tells them that uh, Oceana's body got lost during the move, and she's been searching for it, too, hoping the metal is still inside, and she just she can't find it anywhere. All right. Um, Colin, I, I got a question for you. You're, yeah? you're a smart cookie. Yeah. Um, how can Oceana remember this tunnel if the metal was found back in town? I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm relying on you to be the smart one here. Yeah, like, I I guess, like, my, um, hmm, I don't know, maybe, like, uh, you know, we're in the poor part of town, not a lot of places to go play. Uh, we knew, we know that Hannah, Hannah's family was uh, dealing with some Yakuza troubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense that maybe they could have come to this tunnel to play a couple of times. I, I think that's what I'm I'm ready to accept as the truth. Uh, because they, you know, they do specifically uh, make the comment that Arika says that, you know, like, um, Oceana's memories are all jumbled up and they're not in, like, a chronological order and they're just kind of going with whatever details they have. So, like, Hannah and Oceana could have come to this, this tunnel to play at any point, which makes sense for why Hannah would eventually, eventually have returned back here looking for, for Oceana. Uh, six months later. You know, uh, uh, if you've been separated uh, for for a long time, you know, hit up the locations that you used to go to a lot with, you know, know, looking for – that's what they tell you when you, like, lose a pet or something. Like, you leave an item of your clothing out for it, and uh, you go back to places that you would frequently go to with your pet. Like, if you, like, would go to a a dog park with your pet a lot, you go and you look for the dog there in case the dog can find their way there based Mm -hmm. on, like, scents and stuff. I, I saw Homeward Blound a couple times in theaters. I remember. Um, I just so been also, missing I for do six. Love months. the part where Meta B and Brass do fight a cougar in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of good goofs in this um, part of the episode. I will go. Um, I just this entire time I'm watching it and I'm like, hey, this is so suspicious. You know, they found the metal somewhere. The body's gone. The body is supposed to be over here. It's been six months. Oh, we just happened to find the girl at the exact time we're walking. I'm like, this is a trap. This has got to be a trap. This, the, sadly, this is uh, the Yakuza are going to use this to find out where uh, Hannah's parents are. Um, but, you know, hopefully they'll just extort some money out of them or something. We'll find out. Um <laughs> Uh, so they, uh, proceed to continue to look for Oceana's body, I guess, along the route that Hannah's family, like, traveled on to, like, uh, to move, like, whatever, like, road they drove on. Um, and they find themselves in a rural farming community. Uh, and, uh, as they're kind of, like, going around and asking, like, various, like, old people who live out here in the sticks, uh, Arika does finally found someone who has seen, uh, Oceana's body. It's in a nearby castle where, uh, somebody saw a, a young boy, uh, carrying the body back there. Um, and so they go to check it out. Um, uh, they ring the doorbell and, uh, 
uh, ask about it, saying that they're here to collect it. They they've they've uh, want to return it to its previous owner, and the boy tells him to fuck off and dumps a huge bucket of water on them. Yeah, if only if only these kids knew a master thief who loves stealing things to help people. Oh, if only, if only. <laughs> uh, well, you see, out of nowhere, he's back to pretending to be Space Meta Fighter X inexplicably as of last episode. So he's not <laughs> doing a thief thing right now. Um. And, you know, explicitly, uh, I guess um, Icky's mom was trying to get him out of the house. So she's probably got another op planned. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's also really weird in this episode that, um, like, this love story continues in Brass's body. Like, that's also weird to me. I was, yeah, I was so excited when I saw the thumbnail for this episode because it is, like, uh, be catching and like helping brass mm-hmm. up and they're clearly like making googly eyes at each other. So I was like, Oh my God, are we going to get a Metabee brass like, like thing going on? And no, uh, which, you know, I mean, deep down in my heart of hearts, I am, I am a, a Metabee ex show person, but you uh, know, I mean, uh, you have eyeballs, you watch the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I won't take an excuse for brass to not be on screen. God, hey, uh, I'm just, if this show had Meta uh, and Brass on a relationship, I I think I'd actually be upset. I think I would genuinely yeah, be upset. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not worth it. Brass uh, deserves better. We, we yeah, Brass. We know Brass deserves Neutroners. Uh, <laughs> at the very least. Yeah, but it is. It just. It is. I I'm a sucker for romance, and I I would like there mm-hmm. to be. I don't know the 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 romantic stuff that we've gotten in the show so far has been like really lighthearted and fun, and I want to see more of it. Like this is reminding me of like all of the dumb jokes of like Arika headbutting uh, Icky as a yeah. fake out, or like the Miss Caviar uh, uh, sea slug stuff, and it's just like I want I want more oh. of this like lighthearted fun content. Uh, God, I miss the ult- spy who rebattled me. Yeah, uh, here's the thing, Mitch. It's all about to get ruined uh, because yeah. Arika, Iki, Oceana, and Metabi scale the wall to go in and find the body, only to find that there's a huge collection of different metabots um, yeah. uh, staged in diorama battles. And then we see Oceana's body. It's in a uh, a water filled tube, and it's a fucking gross metabot with titties. They gave the metabot titties, Mitch, and then we find out who stole it. It's a gross otaku boy. Yeah. I hate this. Um, you don't, I hate this so much. <laughs> you don't love to see it, actually. Um, here's here's a nice thing I think you'll like. Um, uh, moving past the the very defined um, body on this uh, metabot is I uh, don't want to know that this gross otaku boy has like uh, you know captured a living Oscar figure and then put it in a tube that blocks transportation waves. I hate this yeah. Mitch. Uh, I but hate it. <laughs> if you do look at that tube, you see that she's got little tiny robot uh, sea butterflies floating around, which is very cute and great. Mitch, he rubs himself on the yeah, tube okay, with, okay. The, with the sentient <laughs> nendroid in it constantly. I hate yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a, this is not a fun episode. I was we're, wanting to talk gonna, about spaghetti today. We're gonna we're gonna get through it real quick, and we're gonna get to the spaghetti real soon. I promise. Uh, so, 
uh, uh, Gross Boy uh, opens the trap up, uh, which shoots the gang back outside of the gate. Arika has a plan, though. She orders 50 pizzas, 15 buckets of fried chicken, 30 cheeseburgers, and the uh, resulting uh, delivery people break the gates of the castle down to get inside. They follow in behind, uh, make their way through the inside to find the collection room uh, and Oceana's body. Uh, the weird tur- nerd turns the lights on and challenges them to a row battle over it, which is when we see his, his uh, uh, meta but it is Caraba's Italian grill is here, Mitch. <laughs> it's pasta time. We're going to, we're, we're going to have a, we, would you rather have a discussion about pasta now? Or would you rather me get through the rest of this episode in approximately a minute? And yeah. A half? Let's, let's burst through this uh, minute of this gross nerd. And then we're done. Okay, uh, Oceana says they can't get out of here and get her new body, uh, but um, or that they have to get out of there and get, uh, and they can just get her a new body like someplace else. But Meta B is no determined to win her honor and and get her body like he promised to. She's amazed by this. Mister Referee comes in inside of a weird metal box. I don't know if this is a reference to. I don't want to look it up. Caraba, uh, who is just a crab, uh, and, and uh, you know fucking um, uh, uh, Romanji, uh, is proceeding to bust Meta B up with an arm we have definitely seen before. I don't want to do the bit because I'm trying to get through this quickly. Uh, Mr. Uh, Metabeak is wild, uh, like really can't like get a handle on it. Uh, the the crab can even move forward and backwards in addition to sideways, uh, which is surprising to Icky. Uh, Metabeak starts wildly firing with his rapid fire gun and accidentally breaks open the glass on Oceana's, uh, containing Oceana's body. And she dies. Allows Arika to go in, switch the metals. Oceana wakes up, activating her fairy funnels, and probably uses some kind of ability or magic power to tell uh, Metabi to win and power him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metabi finally gets Karaba with his honing missiles, destroying him. Uh, Iki gets to congratulate. Uh, Iki goes to congratulate Metabi, but uh, Metabi completely dodges out of the way to see Oceana. We find out the nerd's name is Norbert. Um, mm-hmm. Oceana inspires him to uh, let all of his Metabots be his friends instead of keeping them locked up like uh, trophies and collectibles. He spends the rest of the episode basically like googly eyed rubbing himself into the metabot titties i hate to see it it sucks uh we cut to outside where uh um you know oceana and uh metabi talk for a second but then oceana and, and hannah leave leaving a note that says everyone uh were great friends love to see you again metabi is completely overcome with emotions and just like can't handle it at all mitch okay what Hold is on, the best real quick. kind two of things. pasta shape two things about this episode um one uh, during this, uh, her speech to uh, the nerd, it's actually a very kind speech, which this guy does not deserve. About, it is a very um, kind speech. How she needs to learn to love gross. Uh, and everything else and focus on building relationships, not building a collection. Uh, he does not deserve that. He deserves jail. Uh, <laughs> the note from um, from the girl is just, I'm skipping town with my father. Thank you for all you've done. Goodbye. That's God. I love that this is just a weird Yakuza side story. That is very good about this episode. Oh God. Um, yes. Now we can talk about pasta. Mitch, what is your favorite pasta shape? God, there's so many good pasta shapes. Um, it honestly, without any jokes, the best kind of pasta shape is the kind of pasta that goes with the sauce that you are eating it with. Uh, Cause each uh, pasta shape is um, necessarily built to hold a certain kind of sauce better. And that's really what you got to focus on is what sauce are you eating? Is it, you know, fattier than normal? Is it um, cheesier than normal? Does it have chunks in it? And then you can build your noodle around that sauce. Um, But 
Tortellini. We, we also, <laughs> Tortellini we also the best. need to acknowledge <laughs> the other basic general answer to this question, which, uh, uh, you know, if only we would have seen this coming, we would have had Klaus on for this episode instead God, of last yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, Klaus, uh, famously expert of Italian cuisine. What did Klaus have to say about this question when we asked him? Um, he said, and I quote, uh, pulling up the exact thing now so I get it word for word. Ahem, ask Klaus what the best pasta shape is. The best pasta shape is the one that goes in my mouth. <laughs> also accurate. Now that we put that to rest, um, uh, Mitch, let's let's like consider what your favorite kind of pasta dish is. So, yeah. like you know, uh, hey. not saying like, oh, yeah. well, angel hair yeah. is good for this kind of uh, pasta, or you yeah. know, conchigeli is good for this kind of like sauce or whatever. Just what is your uh, uh, like? Uh, think of your favorite sauce my, and what's the best pasta good? Like, what is your favorite pasta? My preferred way of eating. Um, pasta sauce is actually a mixture between a um a red meat sauce and then alfredo um okay. about three quarter to a quarter uh red okay. to white um th- that's my preferred way to do it uh, i can do about 50 50 if you know depending on depending on who's making the sauce um i like just a little bit of alfredo and i like that on top of my cheese tortellini um get that meat filled stuff out of here i do not like meat filled noodles <laughs> i do not like meat filled anything but cheese okay cheese perfect i love it um yeah so my oh, favorite you, meal you don't like to you don't like to be meat filled mitch no i i like <laughs> i like filling the holes in my life with cheese thank you uh my favorite <laughs> pasta dish actually currently is the tortellini klaus makes me with uh both sauces i love it i love it i okay for, well up until um up until recently with some job issues i've uh i would eat it once or twice a week uh when i was working at you know, with Klaus, I was eating it almost every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? I need to know your pasta opinions to see if I can continue working with you. Okay. So, um, the first pasta I want to bring up is my, I don't think it is the best pasta, but it is my favorite pasta. And that's a Chini de Pepe, um, which is basically just big couscous. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, uh, I love the ball pasta. I I love they're like you know basically like as opposed to couscous, which is like pretty small, like sub like rice grain sized, or like orzo, which is just like big grains of rice. Like acino de pepe are like pea sized, mm-hmm. like balls of pasta, and it's just they they soak up sauce so good. They work with like really acidic sauces really well. Oh, yeah. Um. I just I love acino de pepe, but I will admit. It's, you know, when it comes down to it, probably what I like about a Chino de Pepe is that it's rice-like, and I don't want to say <laughs> that a pasta is really good because it's not pasta and it's rice. So... I like uh, a Chino de Pepe because it's fun to say. It is, it is fun <laughs> to say. A Chino de Pepe. Uh, but, you know, once we get a Chino de Pepe off the top of my list for my personal favorite pasta, I think the best pasta is orecette. Which are the little, the little, like, you know, they look like little helmets or condoms. I just, I love that funky little boy. Like, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a nice halfway point between, like, uh, you know, your various, like, weird twisty pastas, like, or, you know, like, um, fucking uh, butterfly pasta or whatever, and then, like, more shell-based kind of pastas. I feel like it's, like, the perfect halfway point between those. It's, like, I... 
I like, you know, it's it's great at holding on to to sauces. And the thing that I really love it for is I love it in soups. It's perfect for soups. It it is good for soups. Um, my my favorite way to eat it is with a nice um, seafood alfredo. Okay. Um, God, and you know, throw some peas in there too. I big fan, big fan. Um, yeah. I like the scoops. The scoops are good for holding a you know a nice kind of thicker sauce. Uh, holds a lot of flavor in there. That's a good opinion. I'm happy. Yeah. I, I was worried. <laughs> you were worried I was going to say penne or something? <laughs> <laughs> At least I know it wasn't that. Were you worried that I, that I would have fallen into the bucatini hole? <laughs> <laughs> no, the worst answer would be, oh, you know, I like a good flat spaghetti. Ugh. I get that all the time. Uh, I will say if I'm going to have a if I'm going to have like a noodle like that, uh I'm not going to Italian pasta. Uh I'm getting uh, I'm going to go to soba noodles. I I love zaru soba so much. Uh it's like one of my favorite cheap Japanese like foods of just like some some cold buckwheat noodles and like a dipping sauce for them. Okay. Um and then udon's good too. I hate that there's no like like there is no Italian pasta that's as thick and noodly as udon is. Not if you uh, like. I guess go to fettuccine is close. If you had three D fettuccine, I would be in love with it. I mean, I mean, it depends what you call three D fettuccine. <laughs> fettuccine is flat, so thick fettuccine, uh, but not like horizontally thick, height wise thick. Yeah, like a uh, like a tube of like like a uh, squarish tube. I I. Th- no, I, not a tube though. I don't want a hole in the. Well, that's, yeah, I yeah. just want. I, I yeah. I want a, a a flour delivery system. <laughs> You're just extruding that play-doh and just keep pushing it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. Yeah. I I can't think of what it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's udon is what it is. <laughs> it's just like there. Like I should not even think of like what the Italian equivalent is. It's just like just yeah. have udon. Udon is fine. I love udon. Uh, well, here is oh, the man. secret of Italian food. Just throw stuff onto whatever stuff and then eat it. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> put whatever I mean, you want yeah, like on your noodles and then bam, it's Italian. Uh, well, the recipe that I've been going to for orecchiette a lot is um, so, you know, Sola of of uh, Bon Appetit fame has clearly left Bon Appetit like everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, and uh, 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 oh God, I forgot what the name of the channel that she's working with now. I think it's like the New York Times cooking channel. It's like something 52, simply 52, something like that. Um, and explicitly she has a video series called off the recipe where she's just like teaching you how to make dishes that seem like they should actually need a recipe, but are actually like learning kind of like, uh, the basics of, of recipe creation and like, uh, the ways to like process certain foods and how they can go together. And so she had one for just doing, um, like pasta and greens Mm -hmm. where it's, and like so, the the recipe that I I took from her is basically how you would normally make collard greens, where you basically like render some fat out of some bacon, uh, remove the ba- like get the bacon nice and crispy, then remove it out, and then like saute a bunch of garlic and like just a like a pound of greens in that, um, and then proceed to then cook like add a bunch of like uh, a stock of some kind to it, and um, and just cook that till the greens are are pretty much done. And while you're doing all this, you're soaking the pasta that you're gonna use in a bowl of cold water. Um, and so once that that stock is cooked down, you throw the pasta and this this starchy pasta water that's been soaking it in there, and you cook it for like 
a cup like five minutes tops and it all just turns out fucking perfect it makes an an absolutely like incredible just like simple uh uh soup um like we've been making like i've been making that like probably once a week for over a month now yeah that sounds great uh, i'm yeah. i'm down <laughs> god oh man uh <laughs> now that we got the bad taste of that episodes out of her mouth oh uh, man now i'm hungry again yeah uh oh man um yeah, hey, we make a show about Metabots. Uh, Mitch, can, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> Maybe we should just start making a show about food, and then we talk about Metabots sometimes. Hey, here oh, we go. Man. We do a cooking show in which we talk about Metabots while we cook. Done. New show starting next week. That that was actually going to be my follow-up to Small Walk, is um, uh, a, a podcast where I just record myself talking to somebody while I do prep work for a meal of just like getting all my mise en place shit and together, like just chopping vegetables and like maybe doing some like light cooking while I talk to them. Cause I wanted to make like the most unlistenable podcast imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's an art to that and it's, yeah. I respect you for it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, at least next week's, uh, episode, um, we might need to get a guest because it's a Naruto episode. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's uh, welcome it to welcome Ninja World. Welcome to Ninja World, and then eat, drink, man, Metabot. <laughs> I'm not sure what the second one's about, but at least the first one's about Naruto. Yeah, the only Ninja Touchstone that we have here in America. Yeah. Well, that and um, Beverly Hills Ninja. Well, of course, and the three ninjas. Yeah, and Ninjago. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Lego Ninjago movie was actually pretty fun. I had a good time. Yeah, I, I'm not against it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. The series, you know, hit or miss. But, the, you know, the, the movie's good. Yeah. Okay, Mitch, yes. where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> they can find me at Big Bad Beetle Boy on Twitter. Uh, it's going to be the best place to find me. Um, God, I don't know what I'm doing on there lately. Uh, I'm tweeting, probably. Um, Colin, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Pagetish, uh, that is P-A-D-G-E-T-T-I-S-H, on pretty much any social media platform. Um, uh, I I guess I'm officially a sometimes guest on uh, Never Believe It. I've been on enough episodes that I'm in the I'm in the podcast art now. Oh. Definitely go check that out. Uh, second season is ra- like uh, radically changing up a lot of things. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, very excited to hear more episodes of that come out. Um, now that yeah. entire series, I I listen to a lot of good podcasts, a lot of good podcasts that you've been on, but um, Never Believe It. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a podcast. It, it's more like audio art, you know, it, it's conceptual um, art that just releases, I guess, whenever yeah. they feel like it. Uh, I've, I frequently described it as the David Lynch, podcast for a while. Yeah. Um, and now Except it's just, I... it's straight up like Riley, Sarah and Ray are just they're They are doing like Neo Dada in audio form. And yeah. It's fantastic. It's very overwhelming at some times though. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it it belongs in a museum, and it's nice. Uh, you can find the podcast at Metabots and at uh, or at MetaWatch and at MetaRots. Um, MetaRotch, Rotch. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't have a handle on it today. Uh, you can tell uh, maybe a couple of beers in, and I really did not like the second episode that we watched. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Pre- please, uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Um, I think we have ratings i don't know i haven't checked them in a while uh but uh yeah you know uh tell people about our show it's a good time get more people watching metabots Uh, and tell colin and i how good and smart we are
We don't yeah, get that yeah, enough. Yeah. We're putting our lives uh, here on the line, and we need to be known that we're heroes and we're good and smart and media literate. You know what's the one thing people shouldn't tell us, though? Bazinga? Man, 